fear not. Very important, not just encouragement, but in command of the Lord. Fear not. Uh, as we go through this crisis of the world, a wide uh, pandemic of COVID-19, uh, fear is maybe even more prevalent than flu. And I might just suggest to you today that fear might be more dangerous than flu in the long run. Now, the emotion of fear is God-given, and that's why we need to understand it. But fear is like a siren that's going off. It says there's a fire, it needs to be extinguished, or there's an accident, and people need to be helped. But fear is there to elicit an action, a response. It's not there to paralyze us, but it's there to enable us, and if you will, maybe to actually motivate us to, to go and to do what needs to be done. So I hope you understand that about the, nation, the, the nature of fear. It is God's give, given, but it has a God-given purpose. And God never intended us to stay in the land of fear. It's an emotion that should come and then should quickly turn into action and a response that eliminates the fear. And um, as I share with you today, I'm going to give you a biblical perspective on fear and, and how to respond to it in a, in a godly manner. I'm also going to be candid with my own struggles with fear through my life and how the Lord helped me overcome my fears. We'll look at some powerful passages of Scripture that uh, inspire us and give us strength and courage for this time in which we're living. And I believe the Lord will teach us and help us to go from fear to courageous faith. My struggles with fear began early in my life. Uh, when I was a young boy, my greatest fear was the fear of the dark. And I was afraid of the dark, terribly afraid. I might also, it was my dumbest fear uh, when I think about it now, because most of the dangerous things that really happened to me usually happened to me in the daylight when the sun was shining. You know, when I wrecked my bike or had some serious accident or somebody hit me in the head with a rock, some one guy hit me in the head with a bottle and the bottle broke and cut me. All that happened in the daytime, not in the dark. But I remember one time I was coming home and my brother and his friends decided to run ahead and leave me alone because they knew I was afraid of the dark and, and they were kind of using it for their own advantage. So they ran out ahead of me and there I was in a panic crying and... Uh, just desperate and um, so I, I had a choice though at that moment I could have sat down there and cried and uh, just gone deeper and deeper into a pit of fear but something in me said the best way to get over this is to go home but I was still afraid as I walked through the dark by myself that night and I'm thankful that a Sunday school teacher had taught me a memory verse from the Bible and it's found in Psalm 56, verse 3. It's in the King James Version. It says, at what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. And uh, so as I was walking in the dark that night, I, I started saying this verse. At what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. And I said it over and over again. At what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. At what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. And I just, as I began to say that verse, I began to walk 
with confidence. I began to walk steady, and the fear went from me. And I began to realize the fear was gone. And the wonderful thing is, is from that night on, I was never afraid of the dark again. It was the power of God's Word that set me free from the fear of darkness. And I'm telling you today, I believe it's God's purpose and plan and will that all of us be set free from the terror of fear. Because fear is a torment, and the Lord does not want us to be tormented. And fear also paralyzes people. And I know the Lord doesn't want us to be paralyzed, but to be active and to be able to be proactive and do those things that actually will do some good. Amen? Because fear in itself will not accomplish anything. In fact, fear in itself will keep things from being accomplished. But the Lord wants to move us beyond fear into a place where we can respond and we can do what needs to be done. I want to read this morning from Isaiah 43, uh, verses 1 through 7. This is a passage of Scripture that God used greatly in my life when I was a young pastor. And as a young pastor, I was facing a lot of things that um, nothing could have prepared me for. I, I had no concept sometimes of what needed to be done in a certain set of circumstances. And, and many, many things happened. There were many different kinds of trials. There were many different kinds of testing. And sometimes I felt very alone. Uh, we were in a smaller church in a, in a kind of a remote area. And I felt alone and, and sometimes was just tempted to be afraid. And um, I would go before the Lord. I'd want the Lord to speak to me, to tell me what to do, to show me what to do. And often as I was waiting for the Lord, I would hear him say, John, don't be afraid. In fact, he said that to me so many times that I often wondered if he was going to say anything else. But the Lord kept saying it because he wanted to do something in my life. He wanted to, me to do something about the fear. I think I kind of expected him to do something about it. But he was telling me, John, don't be afraid. That's not just an encouragement. That is a command. It's an instruction. The Lord was telling me, John, you have some choices here. And you need to choose not to be afraid. I want to read to you from Isaiah 43 because in this passage of Scripture is where I found many of the things that gave me hope that delivered me from that fear. Isaiah 43, 1. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place, since you were precious in my sight. You have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. This passage of Scripture is so full of, of affirmation from the Lord towards us. There's so many statements, so many declarations that are made in this place, in this, these verses. So many promises that the Lord is giving us. The first promise is, or the first assertion or declaration is this, I am your God. I've created you. I am your God. I've created you. You are mine. The Lord wants you to know this morning you are his. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, I try to take care of those things that are mine. I, I, I go to great extent to take care of the people that I love. And those things that God has given me, I, they're mine. And I, I take care of them. And I believe God is much greater than we are. And what is his, he will take care of. He created you. He formed you for a purpose. And he's, because of that, amen, we can trust him that he will bring us through. And that's why he says, I've called you by your name. <laughs> that's very personal. Most of us can't even imagine that God calling me as an individual by name calling you by your name. But God knows our name. <laughs> Jesus said he knows the hairs on our head. But he knows our name. He knows how we are called, but he knows how we are. Because our name is more than just a way of referring to us. Our name is a descriptor. And God knows our name. He knows who we are. And he created us so he knows how we are. Most of us would like to change a lot about ourselves, but we need to kind of come to terms with it. In Romans it says, shall the thing made say to its maker, why did you form me thus? Or why did you make me this way? I don't know why God made me this way. I'm, you know, sometimes I would say of myself, I'm a bit of a weird duck. But the one thing I can't unsay is that God made me. He formed me. He fashioned me. And he must have done it for a reason. I believe all of us are a perfect fit into what God has called us to and what God has purposed for us. But in the midst of all of these things, we have to know our identity. We have to know who God thinks we are, who God knows we are. And in that, we have to come into agreement with who God says we are. Amen. That is kind of the way out of fear. Fear looks at what we can't do, but faith looks at what we can do through the Lord our God. 
It is because of who he is that we don't have to be afraid. Fear is not, fear is within our, our being, but faith is within and upon the being of God. The faith that I have, I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's not just that you have faith, it's who you have faith in. And God is, is dependable, He's trustworthy. He says, I have redeemed you. I have paid the price. He's talking to Israel and he's talking to, to Judah. But he's also talking to all of God's chosen people throughout the ages. And what he said of them, he can say of us. At this point, Israel and, and Judah were in the midst of a time of judgment. They had been rebellious. They had been adulterous. And they had worshipped other gods. They had been idolaters. They'd gone their own way. But God is calling to them and said, wait a minute. You're mine. I formed you. I fashioned you. I created you for a purpose. And then he speaks to them and he says, do not be afraid. Because I will bring you through. He's so many things. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. We're passing through some really deep waters right now. And the Lord says, when you're passing through the waters, I will be with you. When you cross through the rivers, they will not overflow you. That is an incredible promise from God. God will deal with those things. It's one thing to be saved out of the water, but God says, I'm going to save you out of the fire. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned nor shall the flame scorch you. Now, a couple of hundred years later, there were three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were thrown into the burning hot furnaces of Babylon. And when they were thrown in there, the flames could not kill them. And when they looked into the fire, they didn't see three men, but they saw four men. And when they were brought out of the fire, the Bible says that they didn't even smell like smoke. The Lord says the flame will not even scorch you. It will not burn you. Amen. That's quite an incredible statement, and I hope that none of us ever have to go through the fire, but there is figurative fire, fires that burn hot within our own soul, within our own mind, and within our own circumstances. And the Lord says when you go through the fire, I'll bring you through and your clothes. You're not even going to be scorched by the fire because the Lord has a purpose for us and the Lord is with us. He said, I gave Egypt for your ransom. I gave Egypt for your ransom. The Lord has purchased us. Amen. He's paid the price of our redemption. He's paid the price of our freedom so you and I can live without fear this morning because the price has been paid. The way has been made. That's what the Lord's saying in this passage of Scripture. And he, he keeps going on and on and on. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. But he gives us that command. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I just tell you this morning, that's a choice. That's a choice not to be afraid. Now, we, I don't know if you've ever thought about that much, but it's a choice. 
I make a choice not to be afraid. Not a choice that's just based upon me, but a choice that's based upon who God is and upon God's word concerning me. I make a choice knowing that I'm loved by God, that I'm created by God, that I've been formed by God, that God is with me. I make a choice to not be afraid. It's very powerful. It's very powerful because when you make that choice, then God begins to lead you in a different direction. God begins to do new things in your life and lead you out of fear. That's my personal testimony. John Ingstrom was saved in Isaiah 43. I came to know who God was, that I could trust him. And you know something else? I came to the day when I found out God could trust me. That was a bit of a revelation. It was, might not seem that way to you, but I was going through a terrible trial, and I was having to deal with some very complex situations. And in the midst of that, I heard a quote from Hudson Taylor. said, Whom God trusts, he sends a trial. And I remember just sitting there for more than an hour after I heard that, and I go, God trusts me. God can trust you if you trust God. That's the thing. It's a choice. It's a choice between trust and fear. Now, every character in the Bible experienced fear. In Genesis 15, Abraham was afraid. Others were afraid. Isaac was afraid. Jacob was afraid. Joseph, I don't know if he was ever afraid, but I'm sure he was at times. I know that as you go through, I know Gideon was afraid. He was hiding from the enemy. He was afraid. But God delivered him from his fear and made him a deliverer. Isn't that amazing? Someone who was hiding from the enemy became the very one that God would use to drive the enemy away and to drive them out of the land of Israel. Now, God can take us from fear to faith. He can take us from needing to be delivered to being a deliverer. That's the power of faith. That's the power of courage. The Lord spoke to Joshua, the general of the army of Israel after Moses died and the leader of the nation, and said to them, be, don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for I am with you. Wherever your feet shall go, I have given it to you. But like that little boy in the dark who had to get his feet moving, we have to get our feet moving. When we're paralyzed by fear, the necessity is to move our feet in faith and to begin to proceed to go toward the purpose and the promises of God in our life. Because that is, a, that is the result of making that choice. Lord, I don't want to be afraid. I want to be bold, and I want to be courageous. And I want you to do something in my life to make me able to do that. Today, I'm telling you, God can take you from someone who needs to be delivered to somebody who can deliver others. From someone who needs to be comforted to someone who can comfort 
others. But it's a choice to walk away from our fears. And sometimes to walk towards our fears. Amen. Sometimes that's the way out. The devil's trying to keep us from going in that direction. So, of course, he makes it look like that's the last thing we ought to do. But when you start walking toward that fear, that fear will melt. I believe it. And I believe God can deliver us, and we need to be delivered from fear because fear has no positive consequences unless it leads to a choice. It leads us to make a choice to trust in the Lord and to not be afraid. Now I want to go now to the book of Jude and give you some practical tips from a real straight shooter. Jude only wrote one book, and it's only one chapter long. But I tell you, what he said is powerful. Because the church was in the midst of a crisis. There were false teachers, false prophets, false apostles. There were a lot of deceivers, a lot of people headed in the wrong direction and trying to get other people to go that way. And he's speaking to them in this crisis. And, of course, he never told them to be afraid. No, he blew a trumpet so that they would be informed. And sometimes when we're afraid, we need to be informed. We have not been informed of the truth. And so what Jude did was take his relationship with the Lord to inform the church what to do in this crisis situation. And he talks about all of these things. And then he says, but you, (laughs) verse 17, but you. And then he speaks to them. He says, you're not going to be like these other people. You're going to be different. And then he gives them some very specific instructions. He says, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said. I, as a pastor this morning, want to encourage you during this time, read the Gospels. Read what Jesus said. Read his words. <laughs> read the words written and read and pray over them and let those words become engrafted into your heart. Jesus said, I am the Word of God, and He has the words of life. And I'm telling you this morning that when you begin to focus on the words of Jesus Christ, those words will begin to inform you in ways that you need to be informed. They will set you on a path of truth and a foundation that doesn't shake, that's solid. So the first thing is to remember what Jesus said to the apostles And what the apostles said to the church. But go back to the Gospels. Last night, one of the members of the church suggested that one thing we need to do in this day is have a good news site. Because every place you go these days, you get a lot of bad news. And how about having a place where you can go and get some good news? So if you've got a good testimony, you let us know We'll set up a time and we'll get you in front of a camera and we'll put that out on the website where other people can get some good news. Amen. We want to have a good news site. But the gospels, the word gospel means good news. And so 
don't just listen to bad news. In fact, don't, if you have problems with fear, maybe don't listen at all. That might be the wrong place for you to go. You need to turn into Mark channel 14 or Matthew channel 10 or whatever, but get into the gospels and start listening and heeding the words of Jesus Christ because it will bring you life. The other thing he said <laughs> uh, is you were told there would be these things. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a song Mama always said. Well, you know, Jesus <laughs> said, <laughs> he didn't pull any punches. He says, in the world you'll have tribulation. There'll be famines, pestilences, wars, rumors of wars, all of these things, earthquakes, etc. So the Lord didn't lie to us. He prepared us, and we need that preparation in our hearts. So anyway, this is a, a remember thing. Go back and remember what Jesus said, and let those words of truth echo in your own heart, and, and let them become a part of you. Jude goes on to say, you, beloved, building up your faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, God gave you an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. But your spirit needs to be tended. A number of years ago when I was going through one of these crises that I mentioned, a friend, a dear friend who had been a part of this church and moved to another place, called me up and he said, John, I was praying for you this morning and the Lord gave me a word. And it was from Proverbs, guard your heart, for out of your heart comes the issues of life. And as that was, word was given to me, I realized you have to guard your heart. Another way to put that is to guard your spirit. Amen. I, I see a lot of people out running, see exercise, see people who just came from fitness class and all of this. They're taking care of their body. But inside of that body is a spirit that's more important than the body. The spirit will outlive the body by eternity. The spirit is where the issues of life are. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, when literally when you pray in tongues, you build up your faith. You build up your inner man. Paul says unapologetically, a lot of people use this as an excuse not to pray in tongues. He says, when a man prays in the tongue, he edifies himself. And I would just challenge you today to say, you can't edify anybody else unless you've been edified. And the beginning point is to edify yourself, to edify your own spirit. And the best way to edify your spirit, to build it up, is to pray in tongues. There, you don't get much encouragement on this these days, but I'm here to say it's important and it's powerful, and I believe it's a lifesaver in these days. So, you know, we had a member of the church a number of years ago. She prayed in tongues all the time, and uh, she put a bumper sticker on her car says, I'm not crazy, I'm not talking to myself, I'm praying. You know, out there on the freeway, you can get a lot done if you pray in the Holy Spirit. You know, housewives, you can pray in the Holy Spirit while you're taking care of those kids, while you're cooking the meals. And husbands, you can pray in the Holy Spirit while you're helping her with the dishes. 
You know, there's lots of ways to, to be edified, but this is a powerful way to edify ourselves, is to build up our faith praying in the Holy Spirit. The next instruction that Jude gives is this. He says, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Very important in these days. Keep yourself in the love of God. Center yourself in the love of God, in God's loving nature, first of all. God is love. God is love. Period. God is love. That is God's chief attribute. Is He's a God of love. And the Bible says, he that is born of God loves because God is love. And because we've been born again, we have been born again in the love of God, and we've been born again by the love of God, and we've been born into the love of God. So center yourself in God's nature of love and center yourself in his love for you and in your love for him. That's worship. Center yourself. Center yourself. Now, I've been married 49 years this year, and my wife still likes to hear, I love you. The Lord likes to hear, I love you. The Lord likes to hear us say, Lord, I know you love me. That's a powerful affirmation. Lord, I know you love me and I love you. And I want to love you with all my heart and all my soul and all my might and all my strength. And I'm determined to spend the rest of my life learning how to do that because I want to love you at full volume. I want to love you with everything that I am because you loved me on that cross with everything that you are. Center yourself in the love of God. Look for the mercy of God. Amen. Look for the mercy of God because it's a time to show mercy. I want to encourage you this morning to show mercy. There's a lot of people who are looking around to see who caused this mess. You know, they really not sure where it came from or how it came. And they're pointing a lot of fingers at China. I want to say to you something this morning. You can get real upset with the Chinese if you want to. But your anger and your frustration is not going to help you at all. It's going to, it is going to undermine love. It's going to undermine mercy in your heart. It's going to undermine the kindness and the graciousness of God that's in your heart by the Holy Spirit. But there is one thing that we should be doing. We should be praying for China. We as Christians should believe God can use this to bring a great awakening to the nation of China. The Bible says, pray for those who despitefully use you. Even if they ship the virus over here wholesale, we ought to be praying for them. Not finding fault with them, not angry with them, praying for them, believing God that he can do something amazing. That's what Jesus said. He said, blessed are those who pray for those who despitefully use them. If that's the worst thing that's happened here, we are still supposed to pray for them. And so I'm saying maybe we should change our tune and change our channel. 
Maybe there's a different approach that Christians should be taking in these days in which we live. And the last thing he says, have compassion. Have compassion. Have understanding. Have compassion. Compassion is literally to be able to identify with the feelings of others. Very important for us in these days that we have compassion on those around us. My niece posted this on Facebook yesterday. A wonderful young Christian mother and woman. This is what she, I don't, I think this was a quote. I don't know where it came from. She didn't say. It says, we're all in the same boat, but we're not all in the same storm. For some people, this time is a sprinkling. It's a break. It's a breather. It's a pause from normal it's a time to reconnect with family and slow down. Honestly, it's kind of peaceful. For some, it's a storm. It's a bit scary. It's disruptive. It's enough to make you stay up and watch the news and worry. But for some, it's a hurricane. It's tearing at the boards and pulling off the roof. It's washing them out to sea. It's dark and it's unknown. It's life-changing. It's not wrong to enjoy the sprinkles, enduring the storm, but please don't negate the difference. Rest with the family, but don't minimize the hurricane engulfing your neighbor. Laugh at the mim, but get on your knees and pray for your friends. Get in someone else's storm. That's powerful. Get on your knees and pray for them and get in somebody else's storm. Because when you're fighting the battle for them, God will fight the battle for you. And I believe this is the best way to conquer fear. Because perfect love casts out all fear. And God has loved us perfectly, and I believe he has created us and placed within us a perfect love that if we will allow him to, that will come to a full expression of love in our lives. And that love will conquer fear, not just for us, but for others also. And I want to speak to you, though, this morning who do not know the Lord. You're going through the dark without a flashlight. You're going through the day without sunshine. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And his light has a unique power. John says the darkness is not able to overcome it. The darkness cannot extinguish it. It is a light that shines into the darkest place and brings life. And I can tell you this morning unconditionally without any reservations, Jesus wants to shine his light into the darkest place of your heart. And I don't know what the greatest sin in your life is, and I don't know what the depths of your sin is. But I know this from my own testimony, that the light of Jesus wants to shine into the darkest corners of your heart and into the deepest parts of your life and bring light and bring life. 
He loves you and he wants to give you an abundance of life and he wants to deliver you from the power and the torment of fear and that is the hope of the gospel this morning. So as I close this message, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Those of you who've never given your heart to Jesus, those of you who've never made him your Lord and made him your Savior, now is the time, today is the time, now is the day of salvation. So will you bow with me in prayer as we pray? Lord, we come before you this morning and we acknowledge, Lord, our need. Lord, we need your love. We need your love. We need your love to bring life into us. We need your light to scatter the darkness of our hearts and of our minds. Lord, we do not want to be controlled by fear. We want to be set free by love. We don't want to die in the dark. We want to live in the light. And Lord, let the light of your righteousness shine forth. Lord, you became sin, though you knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in you. And this morning I pray, Lord, right now, that there are many who will pray with me, Lord, I want your righteousness to be made manifested in my life. I want you to come and be my Lord and be my Savior. I want you to come into my darkness, my fear, my doubt, my confusion, and bring your perfect peace. Lord, I need your peace. I need the Prince of Peace. I need the Prince of Peace. I need the great physician to heal the sickness of my soul. I need the life, Lord, that you give. And Lord, the Bible says, he who has the Son has life. And this morning, if you prayed with me, you have the Son. And you can have the Son. And you can have life. Amen. Now is the time to take that action. The Lord's here to lift you out of fear and lift you into his hope, into his love, and into his faith that always remain and can never be taken from you. Lord, in Jesus' name, we ask you for the miracle of salvation. We ask you for the miracle of deliverance to set people free. In Jesus' name, I speak to every phobia and fear and say, Jesus Christ has all authority over you. And in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we put our foot down and say, you cannot stay any longer. We set the captives free. We speak to those who are in darkness and who are bound to come forth and be free and be set at liberty in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. To his glory, to his honor, and to his praise. Let your kingdom come. Let your righteousness flow down like a mighty river, O oh Lord. Fill every heart, fill every life, fill every soul today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we bless you and we praise you and we thank you.